Come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. This morning, the backdrop to uh, here in First, in first Kings, uh, King David uh, has ruled and reigned in Israel for quite some time now. And he is there and he is on his deathbed. And, and they have brought him, uh, they, he is laying there, he, is, he is even has been brought warmth and all those particular things. And yet here his son, his other son, Adonijah, uh, who uh, just would have thought to himself, well, maybe I am, you know, my, my older brothers are dead. I'm the next in line to, to rule. And he has tried to set himself up up as king. Uh, he has even um, had offered sacrifices uh, to himself. Uh, they have blow trumpets. They have done these things, and he has falsely set himself up as king. And uh, uh, Nathan goes to uh, Bathsheba and says, wait a minute, and, and I, I, it wasn't it promised that your son would be king. And, and so here uh, it is brought to David. Uh, Nathan and Bathsheba, they come, come to David, and uh, they say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. And he says, hey, bring me Solomon. Bring me Solomon so, so that I can speak to him. And he mentions these words in verse number 35. And this will be the words uh, that we'll use this morning as, as our backdrop for the sermon. It says in verse number 35, Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead. And this morning I want to give you a, just a few thoughts on just those four words. King in my stead. King in my stead. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege it is to uh, preach your word. Lord, you know that I am not worthy. And uh, Lord, you know I'm, I'm, I'm sinful. I'm, I, I'm, I'm prideful. And Lord, I just ask that you would put those things away from me as I give your word. Lord, I ask that you would be with me. Lord, help me only to say what you would have me to say. Lord, I need your help. And Lord, I, I just want to be a blessing to uh, our church and to the people here at Central. Lord, I just ask that uh, through the preaching of your word this morning, Lord, if someone is here that is uh, doesn't yet know you as our personal savior that they would get that settled before it's everlasting too late and lord for we as christians lord that that we would decide this morning that we would place you in your proper place and that and that's king of our life lord we love you so very much in jesus name we pray amen this morning, I could stand up here, and, and uh, I think every preacher, and I'm not much of a preacher, but every, every preacher knows how to get amens. We do. And, uh, and, and sometimes we have people in our service, like Brother Jim, that just didn't give you amen almost regardless, and I appreciate that, Brother Jim. And, and, amen. And, uh, and, and so every preacher knows how to get those, and every preacher knows how to, to, how to go and get excited, and, uh, and, and, and you'll hear uh, people say amen, and, and you might even get high fives. And other, we don't really give high fives in church. Why don't we give high fives in church? Brother Heath, give me a high five. First high five ever in church. And, uh, and so we'll start giving high fives in church when the preacher says something awesome. And, and, uh, um, and, and this morning, when I, when I use that word king, and I say king in my stead, and I could stand up here and preach all about how Jesus is the king, and, and, and all about from uh, the book of Revelations, how we know he's going to set himself up. We know one day he's going to come back again, and, and we know that he's going to ride on that white horse, and he's going to come, and he's going to speak just through the words of his mouth and destroy the, the, the enemies in this world, and, and he'll set himself up as king, and he'll rule and reign for a thousand years, and, and that's all wonderful, and that needs to be said, and that needs to be preached about, and I get excited about those things too, but this morning I want you to turn your attention to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, turn over there with me just real fast, read just a few verses here, very familiar verses, when a preacher goes to preaching about that, he turns to these verses he says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name above which, 
excuse me, a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, we love that verse. I love that verse. And, and, and we, we see where we know that one day every knee is going to bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is King. And, and we know those things. And this morning, I, I know it's Sunday morning, and, and, and if you're here and you're lost and you're unsure of your salvation, uh, I, I pray that you get saved before, before, before the service is over today. I pray that for you. I do. And, and there is nothing greater in, in this world than to knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. And, and if you have any doubt whatsoever, uh, you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven today. You can know that. And if that's you this morning, I, 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 my prayer for you this morning is that you would get that settled. But if I'm right, and I think I am, most people in this auditorium, this sanctuary this morning, are saved. You are, ch- you are children of God. You know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And I rejoice with you, and you rejoice with me, that we have our, 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 our eternity secured in that way. And we quote this verse, and, and, and we quote it in regards to what's going on in our nation. Uh, we, it's a verse that is on the, top of, the tip of our tongue whenever we, we run into someone that, that, that believes in uh, atheism or, or, or they, they believe in something different. And, and it's a verse that, that we quote and say, well, one day you're going to know. And they will know. It's true. It's true. And, and we'll say, one day your tongue, your sinner, confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's true. It is. But this morning I want to speak to Christians because we use those verses all the time and we say them all the time and and many times we're saying them to the lost and it needs to be said. But can I ask you one simple thought this morning? Why do so many Christians, why, why are they so bent on simply waiting for that day before they make him king? I believe that to be true. I believe many Christians, they know they're, they're, they're on their way to heaven, and, and they're just content right there. I believe that's many, many of us sometimes. Sometimes it is even me. A lot of times it's me. If we get to a point and say, well, <laughs> at least I'm saved. And amen, at least we are saved, because we are flesh, we are sinful. But why wait until that day? To truly make him king in your life. Look, this morning I'm not giving any sort of lordship salvation. I'm not giving any sort of work salvation. Uh, once you're saved, you are saved forever. And it is for eternity. And nothing can take that away. But yet there is a call to each and every one of us as, as Christians to put Jesus in his rightful place in our life. It must happen. That's why Paul writes... In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, it says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's those three words that we quote all the time. It says, I die daily. And he says that. It says, for me, I, I have to put myself away. And he expounds that even in Colossians chapter 3, and I won't take the time to read the entire chapter here, though I would uh, implore you to do, to do so at some point this week. But it says in verse number 3, it says, for ye are dead. But it doesn't say that as a bad thing. It says that as a good thing. It says, for you are dead and your life is hid. And it says that where it's hid. It says, with Christ our God. Well, what a wonderful place to be. What a wonderful thing it is to, to each and every day to, to realize that um, I don't have to make each and every decision in my life. I can have someone to do that for me. But 
Where is he in our life? Does he, does he sit in his proper place in our life? And, and I know this is a subject that gets preached on all the time. I think even I preached on it not too, too long ago. Here we, we pick up in our scripture verse in 1 Kings. Something is happening in the kingdom. A sad event. It's the death of a king that has meant more to the nation of Israel than anybody previous. It's a sad day. It's a day where there's really not much rejoicing going on. You have King David. Even outside of all his sinfulness and the things that he's done, I think if I went around the, the, the sanctuary this morning, many of you would still label him as, hey, that's my favorite Bible character outside of Jesus. And I'm right there with you. He's my favorite Bible character outside of Jesus. But here he is, something's happened, and he has died. He's about to die. And he realizes that once death takes place, there's going to be an empty spot on that throne. And one or two things are going to happen. Somebody's going to fill that throne that shouldn't be. It's going to be Adonijah. And I'm not about all typologies and pictures in, in regards to scriptures, but this is a good picture this morning. Uh, you have Adonijah, who certainly here is a picture of the flesh. Uh, he's a picture of self-rule. He's a picture of, uh, of our own self-control uh, in, in our life. Uh, he, he, he has basically labeled himself. He says, you know, I don't really care what, what my father says. I don't care what God has already ordained to happen uh, next. He, he, he um, uh, uh, says those words, I'm going to be king. It's going to be me. Uh, I, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make all these sacrifices, and, and I'm going to tell the people that I'm king. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else says outside of that. I'm going to be king. It's going to be Adonijah, or it's going to be who God wants it to be, Solomon. See, that's what death had brought forth, an empty place on the throne. And each and every morning, for us as Christians... There's a decision of who's going to sit on the throne that day. And it's either going to be the person of self-control, not the good type, but then I'm going to control everything, of self-reliance, of my own flesh, or it's going to be the person that God wants it to be. And it's going to be Jesus who sits on the throne of our life for that particular day. But that's a choice. That's a choice that we have to make each and every day to do that. I love what David says. He says, I have appointed him to, uh, to, to be this ruler. And, and, and he's going through and he says, I, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. He says, leaving, leaving nothing out. Adonijah doesn't get to rule over a little spot. There's only one throne seat. There's not room for two. There's only one room for Brother Heath's chair. I'm not going to go sit with him. I already gave him a high five this morning. He was uncomfortable with that. All right. There's only, one, there, there's only room for one there. And it must be Jesus. It must be. I have three points for you this morning, and I don't plan on being long, but that gets said every week, and, well, you know where we get. All right. And, uh, but first thought this morning is very simply this. Jesus is willing to be king. Jesus is willing to be king. 
I'm not going to be deep this morning. I'm not tall enough to be deep, okay? And, uh, uh, and that was funny. You can laugh. Ha, 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 All right. And, uh, um, but it is Jesus is willing to be king. Do we really stop and consider that each and every day? I could preach this morning an entire message on why we ought to die daily, and I am. I could sit here and give you tips for, for each and every uh, moment to how we do that. But maybe just the thought of Jesus being willing to be king in my life should simply be enough for us to put him in his proper place each and every day. Is that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the very Son of God, the one who came uh, to be born into this world and, and, and left heaven's throne uh, to, to, to live in, in this world, to become man for us, to live 33 sinless perfect years, uh, to go to that cross, to, to, to die on that cross for us, to, to suffer all that he suffered through simply for us, and yet he want, he's willing to be king in my life? Sometimes it's how we say things. Jesus is willing to be king in my life. Or Jesus is willing to be king in my life? Almost like a inquisitive uh, of, of how is that possible? That, that Jesus wants to be my king. That Jesus wants to have some say-so and, and entire say-so. And, and Jesus wants to, to have that spot in our life. He wants to fellowship with us. Uh, he, he, he wants to do those things with us. And he's willing to be associated with a low life like me. How remarkable that the very Son of God wants to have that type of spot in your life. You say, say, Brother Nate, how do I put Jesus in his proper place? How is he going to be king in my stead? Because, by the way, if he's not king in your stead, you will be king in your stead. And your life will be in ruins. It'll be ruined. It's exactly what happened when Solomon uh, goes off the scene and, and the kingdom is split and they start going after other gods and all sorts of things. That's exactly what will happen in your life. It's sure to happen. But Jesus wants to be Lord of your life and, and, and he, he wants that particular relationship with you. What a wonderful Savior we have. I get... <laughs> You know, it, 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 uh, where's my wife at? Where are you at, Dinah? There you are. Hey. And uh, it's kind of like dating, right? You see a girl, and, and you go to ask her out. And if you have the attitude of, well, of course she's going to say yes to me. And of course she was going to say yes to me. Come on. And, uh, and you sit there, and you go, and you ask her on a date. And she says yes, and you're like, Really? You want to go out with me? And then she goes out with you, and you're like, hey, there's a fellowship after church. You want to do that with me too? She's like, sure. He's like, for real? And you're like, you, you, you want to be around me? Well, I kept buying her food. I mean, that's, that's pretty simple. And uh, guys who are single, I'll give you a little bit of advice. Buy them some food. It's pretty good. And uh, um, it works most of the time. Maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. I'm sorry, Dinah. You're not that shallow. <laughs> but she was wanting. She's willing to be around me. And even after all these years, 
I think she still wants to be around me. Nobody wants to be around me that long. But even more precious than that is your Savior, who isn't just a king. He's the king of kings. And he looks down and says, I want to be a part of that man's life. I want to be a part of that lady's life. I want to be a part of that child's life. If each and every morning we simply woke up with that thought, of the first thought as we opened our eyes was besides the, oh, thank goodness I woke up. Even before that is, Jesus is willing to be my king today. Jesus wants to be in charge of my life today. Jesus wants to give me direction today. He, he wants to have a conversation with me today. He wants to fellowship with me today. What an honor. What an honor. I dare say that if our favorite sports figure or our favorite whatever it is you that don't like sports have, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know those people very good. And uh, if they were having a, they're at wards right over here. I don't know anybody that actually eats inside there, but I've been there a couple times. And uh, um, I know that is Mississippi's finest wards. And uh, um, if, if Michael Jordan was having dinner over there tomorrow and, and he was inviting me, you know where I would be tomorrow? I'd be at dinner with Michael Jordan. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. you. Say, you'd eat with that guy? Yeah, probably. I would. I'm just being honest with you. Man, I'd be excited about it. I'd be nervous about it. I'd almost not sure. I'd I'd make sure I put on my best Jordans to make sure he knew. Hey, I'm a fan. I think you're the greatest, no matter what that other guy thinks. And I'd be I'd, I'd be getting prepared for it. It'd be the only thing that I talk about. You know, there's somebody that's a whole lot better than Michael Jordan. His name is Jesus Christ. And each and every day, he is willing to sit on the throne of your life. If you'd simply let him. If we do what scripture tells us to and die daily, there's an empty spot on the throne each and every day for Jesus. For him. He's willing. Number two, we're moving quickly. We might have time to get on time. Not only is he willing, but Jesus is waiting to be king. Jesus is waiting to be king. You know, one thing that we know about the Lord is he's not going to go and he's not going to do anything that he isn't invited to do. It's an invitation each and every day. Say, Brother Nate, this is really simple stuff. It is. If we would only just get it. But he's not going to go where he's not invited. And he's waiting. We, We use that scripture in regards to the lost. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice, what does he say? It says, I will come in, set up on my throne, he says, I'll sup with you. He says, I'll fellowship with you. 
Each and every day is an invitation for Jesus who is waiting at your heart's door. You know, Jesus is that, that one that he's anxiously waiting. I believe this with all my heart, uh, that, that Jesus anxious, anxiously awaits every moment uh, that, that, that we wake up, wondering if he's going to be the first person that we talk to, and, and, and he's there. Why? Because he loves us. Just as though um, I, I, I love my wife and hopefully she loves me. And just as when we were, uh, we were dating and, and, and the first person I wanted to talk to was her. And the last person I wanted to talk to was her. And all those particular things that, that, that you do and, and you're anxiously awaiting and, and, and you're doing those things. Even more so than that is Jesus Christ, the very King of Kings who deserves to sit on that throne. He wants those things. And I believe every morning he sits there and he waits and he says, oh, I wonder what he's going to say to me today. And I simply wake up and I walk right by him and he says, oh, am I not worthy? Am I not worthy? And he goes to the next place that I'll be, and he's just waiting for me to speak to those words to him, just a little bit, for me to, to express to him, Jesus, that I love you. And I, and I try to pray that every time, and I try not to just be words, and, and to let Jesus know that I do love him. Why? Because he's worthy of my love. And, and yet he, he's not going to sit there. He's not going to come in. He's not going to force himself on me. He's not going to do any of those things. He's waiting for us to make him king in our life each and every day. And if we would simply realize, if we would just picture the fact that Jesus each and every day, he wants that fellowship with us and he wants to come into us and he, and, and he, and he wants to have that walk with us and he wants to be in his rightful place in our life and he's just simply waiting for us to acknowledge him. How long do we make Jesus wait? We had a call on our phone at this very moment. And it says, one of our favorite people, we'd leave the sanctuary and go answer that call. But every day, Jesus is calling us to him, and we sit there and snooze it. I'm just admitting my own faults, too. And he says, I, I just want to come in and sup with you. I want to have fellowship with you. If only you are willing to make me king in your stead. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37, 38, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that thou killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto to thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. It says, if you would only come unto me, I, I, I would protect you in the very same thought of a chicken uh, gathering her, 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 her little ones under her wings. I would do the same thing for, for you. I would gather you. I would draw, draw you close to me, but you wouldn't. Then he goes on to say, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Desolate. I so often think that many times we look around in our own state of which we are and, and many of us that go through uh, hard times or we go through trials and we go through particular things and not every trial is a punishment. Not every uh, uh, hard time is a punishment and many times they are not. And, uh, but there are times in our life where we have strayed so far from God and we look at our household and we have left it desolate. Why? Simply because Jesus has been waiting to sit on the throne in your life, to sit on the throne in your family's life, and we have left them at the door. But yet, yet publicly, we still say, 
every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and we look at the atheists and say the same thing. And we look at the lost person, no matter what their religion, and we tell them the same thing. And yet we don't live it in our own lives. And we, we go through and we use these words and we use these Bible verses and they're good to quote. And we should quote them and we should tell them to the lost. And we should tell them to, to those that don't know them. And, and, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. We should. But even more than that, we should certainly live it in our own life. Why? He wants to come into us. So that we don't have a life of ruin. I know I don't say that word right. I think it's supposed to be ruin. But I have a tough time saying that. So just forgive me. I'll I'll interpret that for you. That is ruin, okay? And I'm just going to say it, ruin. But our house is desolate. Why? Because Jesus hasn't been placed on his proper his proper authority. Yesterday, me and the girls were out and uh, uh, we decided at the last minute, hey, let's go swimming. And so I thought, well, let's just drive the golf port and we'll uh, find a secluded spot and go swimming into the golf there. And we got down through there and I started looking. I thought, hey, there's this creek right here in Wiggins, Flint Creek Reservoir. That right, and uh, um, so we stopped there, and the girls were swimming. And I look over, and there's a jet ski rental. And so I looked at the information. I thought I could maybe do that. And so we're we're there, and uh, I said, well, I'll take Becky. It's probably a two seater, and uh, let Becky ride around on the jet ski. And I lo and behold, we get over there, and says, actually, I have a three seater. And so I looked at Emma. I was like, Emma, you want to go on the jet ski? And she's like, of course I want to go on the jet ski. And uh, so uh, we all jump on that jet ski, and we're riding around the lake and stuff, and, and uh, we're having a good old time. And, and uh, Emma keeps asking me, Daddy, are there any sea snakes in this here? I was like, well, technically we're not in the sea, so there's no sea snakes. But uh, um, there might be stuff out here. It'd be okay. And uh, she kept saying, Daddy, don't, don't flip us, okay? Uh, don't flip us. Like, have I ever flipped you anywhere? And uh, uh, she just said, Daddy, Daddy, don't flip us. Don't flip us. And, uh, and every time I would, I would get it a little bit faster, I could feel her arms uh, hanging onto my life vest just a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter. I can't breathe. And, uh, and so uh, we're there. And, and so we, we get to about, I don't know, 30 minutes in or so. And, and uh, Emma goes, Daddy, can I drive? Why not? So we kind of maneuver ourselves. She gets in the front there, and uh, she starts, and I show her where the gas is, and, and uh, later on, we let Becky drive, and I didn't need to show where Becky, where the gas was. We went from about zero to however fast that thing went, like that, it almost fell off, and, and uh, uh, so I didn't need to, to tell Becky, but Emma's there, and she's just got it there, and she's being a little cautious, which isn't really like her. Earlier, she was swimming out by the buoys, and, and I look out, and she's actually hanging on one of the buoys, and I said, Emma, can't go that far, come back. And she comes back in, and she goes, oh, I know I can't swim out there, but can I get as close to that line as possible? And just so it's as deep as possible right there. Why not? And uh, um, that's how many Christians live their life anyway. I looked at my wife and said, that's a really good sermon illustration. Maybe I'll use it tomorrow. And so now it's been used. And, uh, but we're there, and, and Emma's driving, and, uh, or what she thinks she's driving, and she's pressing the gas, and she's going through, and we're on that lake. And can I tell you something? Emma thought she was driving. But you know who was driving? I was. Because I was helping her show her where the gas was, my hands were also on the controls. And so she thought she was holding the throttle, 
She'd get about 20 miles an hour. i say, Emma, that's probably enough. And she's like, yeah, you're right. That's fast. And uh, Becky, we were going like 40 miles an hour, and, and, uh, and I couldn't catch her to figure out what we were doing. And uh, uh, there, I had, I had my hands on the control the entire time. Can I tell you? We treat Jesus just as I treated him yesterday. I fear so oftentimes that we treat Jesus, and forgive me for even saying it, like a puppet. And we say all the right things, we use the right lingo, we say, Jesus is Lord of my life, Jesus is the king of my heart, and yet we control every action. That's not Jesus at all. And just like little Emma yesterday, she's not in here, so I don't have the heart to tell her. I'm sure she's telling everybody, I got to drive a jet ski. Well, she sat in the driver's seat of a jet ski. But she didn't actually drive it herself. Why? Because I wasn't willing to meet that destruction. (laughs) I wasn't willing to take my hands off and give her the full control. And you say, but Nate, that's wise. Emma's only eight. You're right, it is wise. But in our life, how oftentimes we start right, we put Jesus right on his throne and he sits there and, 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 and we give him control and, and we're okay with it and, 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 and we, we approach the throne and, and, and we tell him that we'll do anything that, that, he's, that he's willing for us to do and, and, and we take those steps and then he asks us to do something that we're not comfortable with and what happens? You say, Jesus, would you scoot over just a little bit? I think I'm going to drive now. I think I'm going to take control now. And we don't give him his proper place. You see, it's either all or nothing. There is no in-between. There isn't room at that, on that throne for more than one. We have to give him his proper place. Why is that? Lastly, is very simply this. Jesus is worthy to be king. He's worthy to be king. Say, why is he worthy? The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hey, listen. In your life, I already said this morning that I'm speaking to Christians. In your life, there has been no more important person than Jesus Christ. In the life of your family, there has been no more important person in your family's life than Jesus Christ. You say, well, my parents did this for me. And thank God for godly parents. My brothers have done this for me. Thank God for godly family. And my friends have done this for me. And thank God for godly friends. And my pastor has done this for me. Thank God for godly men of God. And my church does this for me. And thank God for... A godly church. 
but not a single one of those compares to what Jesus Christ did for you. He is worthy. He is worthy of it. This morning, I'm just giving you these three very simple thoughts to be like David. When he came to the end of his life and he understood that the throne would be vacant, but he wanted God to still be in control. He says, I know who's supposed to be there. I have appointed him king in my stead. And each and every day what happens once we receive salvation is we realize that, that we aren't supposed to be in control anymore. And we realize that if we were once dead to sin and we realize that, that we, really have no, uh, we really should have no control in our own life. We should give it to Jesus. And we realize all those things. But yet every day, even after salvation, we have free will. And we choose who's going to be there. And so oftentimes, we stand up like Adonijah and say, I'm worthy, I'm going to do it. And we make sacrifices for ourselves. We say all the right words. But yet our actions speak that he's nowhere near us. And we think of ourselves worthy to sit on that throne. When all we have to do is truly think about it and look at it. And if we just simply woke up every morning with the thought that Jesus wants to be king in my stead. And Jesus is, is, is willing to, to have that fellowship with me. Even though I am unworthy of it. And Jesus wants to have fellowship with me amongst all the, the stars in the sky. Amongst all this universe. Jesus looks down from heaven's throne and sees through all of it. And he sees all the way to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, in, in, in the middle of nowhere. And he looks down and he says even in the midst of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. There's... There, there's someone in this city that I want to have a personal relationship with and I want a fellowship with. And, and, and he comes and he sits and he waits at my heart's door each and every morning just to have fellowship with me. And how unworthy am I of that? But yet there is one who is worthy and it is Jesus Christ. If we simply thought that every day, we wouldn't look around in our surroundings and say, oh, it's desolate. We say, oh, it's thriving. See, when Jesus sits on the, on, on the throne of our hearts, I promise you one thing. It doesn't mean that you'll have uh, every, every nicety in this world. It doesn't mean that you'll have great riches. It doesn't mean all, all those particular things. But I can guarantee you one thing. Your life will bring honor to the Lord. And your life will, 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 will be one full uh, of peace and one full uh, of understanding. And even when bad times come up in your life, you will have a great peace. A peace that passeth all understanding simply because Jesus is on the throne in your heart. There's no greater gift than that. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. He saved your soul. He's the only one worthy. I just wonder how oftentimes I, myself, and you, we put things on that throne that have no business being there. I know I do. I let job get in the way. I let my financial status get in the way. I let my relationships even get in the way. And by the way, Jesus is your first relationship. I let all these other things sit on that throne outside of who's supposed to be there. 
And then I wonder where it all went wrong. Where did that go wrong? I was, I think I was 14 years old. I'm almost positive I was. And during Christmas vacation, we were up in northwest Alabama where my dad's family's from. And me and my older brother, who is not a good person, and uh, no, he is just playing. And uh, we were out riding four-wheelers. We are riding a four-wheeler. And I had ridden behind him, and, and, uh, um, and then it was my turn. I was going to drive, and we were going through the woods in Alabama. And I, like Becky, sure, I had it wide open. And then, two days later, I wake up in Children's Birmingham Hospital, wondering, what am I doing here? Where did I lose control? Brother Brent, you were there. Not there, but you knew me at the time. I'm sure anybody that knew me thought, well, we know exactly what happened. That Yahoo got on the floor and had it wide open and lost control. Talked to my brother. My brother comes to visit us, visit me in the hospital, and uh, um, my head was all swollen, and, and my face had dropped, and it was just unsightly. It's not much better now, but it was way worse then. And my dad told him, said, TJ, do not say a word about how his face looks. TJ walks in, and I'm waiting for him to walk in because I want to know what happened. And TJ walks in, and he looks at me laying there, and he says, oh, Nate, what happened to your face? <laughs> TJ's got big old ears. My dad grabbed him by the ear and pulled him out. I was like... I didn't even get a chance to ask him, what, what happened? They came back, said, T.J., what, what happened? And he says, I don't know. He says, I don't have any memory of it. He says, I had to come to the hospital too. And uh, he goes, but not as bad as you. And uh, um, so I, I can't tell you what happened. But what I can tell you is that I laid desolate in the woods until my dad came, found us, had to get life flighted out of that area to Birmingham. And there I am, left wondering, what took place in my life? Well, I know what took place. I had the controls <laughs> when I probably shouldn't have. And TJ, the dummy he is, <laughs> he went all on for the ride. And how oftentimes do we do that? We take control. And then, one day we look around, and our household is desolate. We look around and say, where did I lose control? Why aren't my children, I mean, they, they don't even want the Lord's name to be brought up. My marriage is in ruin. What has taken place in my life? And then you think about it. I know what it was. There was a moment in time where I thought, it's time for me to grab the controls. It's time for me to sit on the throne. And thereby our house got left desolate. 
wonder if we don't put Jesus on there simply because we don't consider him worthy. Can I remind you this morning that he is? That he is? He is worthy. To be honest, it really doesn't matter what you or I think. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you believe in regards to that. It doesn't. He is worthy. He is the final judge. This morning, I know I preached to, the, to, to, to our Christians this morning. But if I could close just to the lost. You say, I, I don't even, you're still bound by sin. And the only thing that sits on your heart's throne is sin and chains. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is worthy? He's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to put your faith and trust in him. Jesus is that only way. This morning, if you haven't trusted Christ as your personal savior, we're about to go in invitation time. Come up front. I'd love to show you from my Bible right here how I could show you how you can know for sure. I'll leave the pulpit and come right down, I promise. There's nothing more important that you can do, that you can do than that. And then this morning, to the Christians, and I think that is the vast majority of this crowd, probably over 95, 99%. Can I ask you just one question before we do the invitation? Can you examine the throne room in your life and tell me, who's sitting there? Who's sitting there? Is it you? Is it your hobbies? Is it your desires? Is it your career? Is it anybody but Jesus? If it is, I pray that's when the music starts playing, come down here and get that right. Put Jesus in his proper place. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Lord, I know that you're worthy.